0: This is VLX number 63, You will be hated by all for my name's sake. Matthew chapter 10, verses 21 to 25. God give you his peace, in nomine patris spiritu santi, amen. God our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In nomine patris spiritu santi, amen. Jesus said, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Happy Easter, Christ is Risen. Before we get into today's Gospel, I want to give you what I'm going to aim for my future schedule. It's going to look like this. Monday is a video, Lexio Divina, VLX. That's here on YouTube or your podcast app. Tuesday, a theology blog. That's at PadrePeregrino.org. Wednesday is a Catechism of Pius X at CPX on YouTube or your podcast app. Thursday is a blog on the theology section. That's the default if you go to PadrePeregrino.org. Now Friday, I'm going to add a new video, if I have time, every Friday called Theology and Current Events. That stands for TCE. That will be on YouTube or your podcast app, again, if I have time. Might suggest maybe kids don't listen to it, not because there's going to be something dirty, but just controversial times, controversial on reform of the church, controversial on reform of the state. But probably most of them can listen. And then Saturday, if you look at the back page of my blog, go to Life. It's just a life update under the pull down section called Life. I'll do that if I have time. It just talks about kind of what I'm up to. Um, Thanks to all my donors and spiritual benefactors. If you like these videos, please like and share and rate them on your podcast app. Notice that I never add monetization, meaning you don't get ads, all those immodest ads, and you never see pull-ups or pull-downs on my blog. So everything's free, whether you're rich, poor, everything can learn. everybody can learn entirely from uh, what I'm doing. And if uh, you got some money, donate. If you got time to pray for me, please pray. Um, but this is free for even the people who uh, don't wanna do either of those. So I know a lot of people like the Greek, and we are gonna keep going on the Greek, Um, But there's no need for a lot of that today in today's section. And that's because we tend to look at the Greek when there's different possible translations. But today I didn't see a lot. So we're going to look at just what the fathers say and apply it to today. We will go line by line like before. So feel free to listen in your car on the go or sit down and take notes on your Bible or in your notebook. Jesus said brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Okay, now think how painful it would be to imagine your own dad handing you over to the authorities to be tortured and killed for being Christian. I know we tend to think of this as, oh, people in the past were mean and the Christians enduring this had blunted emotions or something. But you have to realize that probably those fathers who handed over their kids hesitated to do it, and in some sense, I hate to say it, hurt their heart, (laughs) but kind of hurt their heart to do it back then, um, just as it would people who persecute their family and friends for being Christian today. Um, The human heart is the same, and Jesus is warning people in all of time they still will get handed over by their families. Uh, Listen to the divine office from the saint from the 6th century from Spain. This was taken from the divine office yesterday on the 13th of April. King Hermenegild son of Leo Vigild, King of the Visigoths, was converted from the Arian heresy to the Catholic faith by the preaching of that most worthy man, Leander, Bishop of Seville, and one of my greatest friends. That's Saint Gregory the Great. Pope Saint Gregory the Great is writing in today's office or yesterday's Divine Office. Hermenegild's father was an Arian, and tried first to persuade him by promises, and then to terrify him by threats to return to that heresy. But when Hermenegild continued to answer that he could never abandon the true faith now that he had come to know it. His angry father deprived him of his kingdom, took away all his possessions, and shut him up under strict guard with his neck and hands chained. And so the young king Hermenegild began to despise the kingdom of earth and eagerly to seek the kingdom of heaven. Lying bound and in sackcloth, he poured forth prayers to Almighty God to give him strength. When Easter came, his treacherous father sent an Arian bishop to him in the middle of the night to have Hermenegild receive sacrilegiously consecrated communion from this bishop's hands and so be restored to his father's favor. But as a man devoted to God, he gave the Arian bishop the rebuke he deserved and refused his treacherous offer with fitting indignation. When the bishop returned, Hermenegild's Arian father was enraged and at once sent his servants, who killed this staunch confessor of God where he lay imprisoned. That was the 6th century Spanish saint, King Hermenegild, who was a martyr. Now I add to that account, if we really think that the heresy of modernism is as bad as Arianism, then we could imagine even today, say, a modernist Catholic father being infuriated at his traditional Catholic son being such an extremist or a rigorist or whatever. The only difference is nowadays, humans' kill shot is more... By ignoring people, icing them out um, more than murdering them, at least in the West. Um, but we do have to realize, especially this past year, how many good people in the West, here in the Western Hemisphere and Europe, had fallouts with their families. And we have to realize how painful this is. But how Christ predicted that Father would hand over Son to death. Um, it's really happening today. And it actually includes this Literally. If you look at how many people are converting from Islam to Christianity today, thanks be to God, there have been more Muslim converts to Christianity the past 50 years than any time since the 7th century, at least according to Father Zachariah Botros, the Egyptian Coptic priest and or those who follow him. So it's still happening. What we hear today in today's gospel, it's still happening to traditional Catholics in the West and Muslim converts to Christianity in the Middle East and many, many Christians in China in the Far East. It's fulfilling this line, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Some? No, all. <laughs> You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. doesn't mean every person on the planet, but it does mean quite a bit. Father Day talks about how all in certain circumstances in the Bible doesn't mean literally 100%, but it does mean there's quite a few people who are going to hate you if you're doing this thing right. If you're doing Christianity right, there's going to be a lot of people who hate you. And again, as I said last time, that doesn't mean you want to be obnoxious, but just living in the truth becomes a conviction to other people's hearts and consciences. And if they've already tried to suffocate their own conscience, they're going to also want to suffocate you because you are the symbol of what was speaking the truth in their heart. We have to remember this. Everybody's conscience was made in God's image and likeness. We often get so afraid as Catholics today that what we say is just our opinion that we happen to hold to. But we have to remember everyone's heart very, very deep inside is telling them the fullness of the truth on all of the issues of the state, on all of the issues of the church, on all of the issues of the gospel. Everyone's heart deep inside, unless they fully shipwreck their conscience, like St. Paul says, unless they fully shipwreck their conscience, people don't like to hear the truth, not because they have a different opinion, but because deep down inside they know it's true. Okay, the next line but the one who endures to the end will be saved. I'm surprised how many good Catholics I talk to who just can't go on. I don't mean that in an exaggerated way. I mean, many people feel like they really can't go on with the spiritual attack in their lives. Lockdown, confusion in their families, confusion in the church, confusion in the states. And I understand that. It, it almost feels like Sauron's darkness has completely enveloped mill-earth for some of us. Well, we have to remember Christ talks to us as a coach today like I said last time, and he reminds us that taking a few hits on a field doesn't end the game. I'm not saying those hits aren't real, because I feel like giving up a lot to myself, but I will never commit suicide because I remember today's line, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. You see, Christ decides when he pulls us off the field, so he must be giving us the strength to keep going despite all the spiritual attack. You know, St. Robert Bellarmine talks about how the first Christians would have to face so much physical attack. The last Christians would have to face spiritual attack. And he actually says that would be worse to hold the faith at the end because of the spiritual attack. I have to wonder, are we in those days? St. Louis de Montfort described the final saints. He said, they're attached to nothing, surprised at nothing. They will shower down the rain of God's word and of eternal life. They will thunder against sin. They will storm against the world. They will be true apostles of the latter times to whom the Lord of hosts will give eloquence and strength to work wonders and carry off glorious spoils from his enemies. They will sleep without gold or silver, and still, more important, without concern in the midst of other priests, ecclesiastics, and clerics. They will have the silver wings of the dove, enabling them to go wherever the Holy Spirit calls them, filled as they are with the resolve to seek the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Wherever they preach, they will leave behind them nothing but the gold of love, which is the fulfillment of the whole law. That's St. Louis de Montfort, Thunderclouds of Mary. Now, another thing I want to share with you that I find extremely encouraging, this is from the Church Fathers. And I'm not sure if this is from the Philokalia, but it's from the Iscarrion. The Iscarrion of the Church Fathers. I'm going to read this and put this on the screen. Those of you who are just listening on the podcast, I'll read it verbatim, of course. The Holy Fathers were making predictions about the last generation. They mean the last generation of Christians. And by the way, Abba here in a minute means father, but in the uh, the Eastern Egyptian desert fathers would say Abba for father, um, based on the uh, Semitic languages. They said, What have we ourselves done? One of them, the great Abba Ascurian, replied, We ourselves have fulfilled the commandments of God. The others replied, And those who come after us, what will they do? He said, They will struggle to achieve half our works. They said, And to those who come after them, what will happen? He said, The men of that generation will not accomplish any works at all, and temptation will come upon them, and those who will be approved in that day will be greater than us or our fathers. So what he's saying right there is the final generation of Christians won't be able to do anything, but they're going to be the greatest. And I think what's implied is because of the spiritual attack that they will be facing. I think I saw in one church father's quote, the final Christians would not be able to fast one day or vigil one night, but they would be the greatest. Again, I'm not sure we're there, but it sure feels like we're pushing against a thousand demons all day long. So be very encouraged at those last quotes because it shows maybe heaven is more surprised at you keeping the faith in the 21st century than you are. The next line, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for truly I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. We're going to see what Father Lapide has to say here, page 498, and correctly you shall not finish, you will not completely traverse, or rather in journeying, you will not perfect in the faith of the gospel and the religion of Christ the cities of Israel, that is, the Israelite people, to whom I am now sending you before the second advent of the Son of Man, that is, of Christ for judgment. For there will be no lack of Jews and Gentiles to convert and to instruct in the faith until the end of the world and the day of judgment. Christ intimates that the Jews shall disbelieve the gospel until the end of the world, but then a little before the judgment they will be converted by Enoch and Elias. So says St. Hilary. So again, the apostles will not perfect in the faith of the gospel and the religion of Christ the cities of Israel before the second coming of Jesus Christ. The next line, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. I suggest this one for the study method today, and I'm going to give you a little bit from St. Hilary. St. Hilary says, knowledge of the things that were imminent greatly helps the martyrs choose to suffer them, especially if an example of the will to suffer is presented beforehand. He continues, let no kind of injuries or reproaches in any way affright us. But let us rather embrace them as our glory, if only we may be conformed to our Lord and his sufferings. Then Father Lapide quotes Tertullian saying, Since the Lord and Master himself has suffered persecution, betrayal, and death, how much more ought his disciples and servants to fulfill the same things, lest they should seem to be superior to him in being exempt from evil, since this ought to suffice them for glory, that they are made conformable to the sufferings of their Lord and Master." And the last line of today's gospel, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Now, Beelzebub is just another name for Satan, so a very horrible insult. Now, when I hear that line from our Lord, I think of our Lord on the way to Calvary before the women of Jerusalem in Luke's gospel. And right there, Jesus says to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, "Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed." Then they will begin to say to the mountains, "Fall on us!" and to the hills, "Cover us!" For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? So I can't help but think, in these times of all these violations of the sixth and ninth commandment in the most perverted ways, are these the days when they will say, "Blessed are the barren." and the wombs that never bore. And Jesus is saying those days will be so bad, everyone will say to the hills fall on us and the mountains cover us. You know, secularists today think the world is in a better state than ever before. But did you know, for example, this is just one of 100 examples I could give, there's 35 million slaves in the world. There are more slaves now than ever in the history of humanity. And instead of being chosen on race, they're chosen on age. How horrible is that? They're they're chosen often because they're children. Millions of these 35 million are children, not the majority, but millions are children. So I have to wonder, is that what our Lord meant when our Lord says, even comparing his own crucifixion to how evil it will be at the end of the world, or at least much closer to the end of the world when he says, for if they do these things, they mean crucify innocent people, are done when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry the wood being green being christ in the world the world being dry would be maybe i don't know when most of the catholic church apostatizes which all the saints say will happen at the end of time so sorry to sound um all doomsday-ish but there's a lot of hope in today's thing again to say maybe christ is saying that there's going to be a lot of special graces for the people when the wood is cracking is dry he's going to give a lot of graces for us to follow him. you know, when we look at how many people are, again, killing children and enslaving them, then we have to look at these lines, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never, never nursed, that Jesus would be rejected today. Now, why is that such an encouragement? Um, because he wouldn't just be rejected by slave traders, but even by fellow Catholics who reject traditional teaching. You know, because if the popular leaders of Jesus' time called Jesus that horrible name of Beelzebub, which again is another name for Satan, then I don't think a traditional Catholic is going to be called any less in the 21st century. Now, I'm not saying any of us are like Jesus. I'm not saying that. But I am saying Christ warned us how bad it would get and how if he himself would be called Beelzebub by the religious leaders, we should get used to such outrageous insults for just teaching the truth And then not be surprised if these insults come from fellow Catholics. No, I really don't think progressive Catholics would like Jesus very much. Yeah, they might like to watch the TV show Chosen or whatever, which is fine. I know there's good traditional Catholics who like that too. I'm not ripping on that TV show. But, you know, it's very easy to connect with Jesus emotionally. But I really don't think most progressive Catholics would like Jesus very much, say, him teaching about purity in the 21st century. Hence that line, we have to remember when complaining about our suffering A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the imaginative way of St. Ignatius of Loyola. You know, I was tempted to have you meditate basically on the same thing as last time, walking around the Sea of Galilee, but kind of complaining about your family making you suffer to Jesus. And then I I switched this up a little bit, because I want to talk about what friendship for St. Ignatius of Loyola was. Really, the question is, What does friendship mean to a soldier? You know, St. Ignatius of Loyola was a converted soldier, but he maintained this sense of spiritual warfare for Christ's kingdom as he founded the Jesuits, the Society of Jesus in the 16th century. And I think there's probably more women listening to my series than men, so I want to give a special encouragement to men out there on this topic of Ignatian mental prayer and seeing Jesus as a friend. You know I believe saying Ignatius of Loyola as a soldier valued friendship more than say the modern soft Jesuit who says the word friendship but basically this is just kind of to sideline the majesty of Christ's divinity. But for Ignatius who always called Christ his majesty you have to realize what friendship meant to him against the backdrop of Christ's majesty especially remembering Ignatius had very much broken all the Ten Commandments in horrible ways before his conversion. Now, before his conversion, he was a courageous soldier. But then after his conversion, to see Christ accepts him, to see Christ loves him, to see that Christ chooses him to be one of his closest friends to start this religious order that would change the entire globe for Christ. At this point, St. Ignatius starts to see Christ as his captain. That is as his closest friend, one of his closest friends. And for, for a soldier, there's nothing greater than to go into battle with your buddy. There's nothing greater than to go save lives with your buddy. That's why I became a paramedic. Two of you in the front seat trying to save lives. Now, you know, there was a psychological study, and it they looked at all these movies where the hero dies at the end, and they found that men like the movies where the hero dies at the end. You know, Gladiator, Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan... I think a lot of times, if I remember this study right, the women look at it and they're like, well, that person could have come home and led a great life and had a great family. Why did Gladiator and Braveheart and Saving Private Ryan have to die? Well, maybe the bigger question is, why do men like the movies where the hero dies at the end? Well, because we men were meant to live as a band of brothers. I guess there's movies where women die at the end, like Thelma and Louise, who uh, well, just kidding, ladies. But really, women frequently in history... They do give their lives in childbirth for children, which is certainly no less heroic than dying on the battlefield. In fact, I would probably say it's more heroic than dying on the battlefield. But men, besides having a desire for their families, they also have a desire to be with guys on the same mission as themselves, even if it means they die. And that's what I think a lot of women don't get about uh, these movies, Gladiator, Braveheart, Why So Many Men Wanted to Join the Jesuits, it's not that they don't see the heroism, because many women have given their lives for their families, but why in the world would men want to give their lives not only for their families, but a band of buddies? It's not to escape from their families. It's because how, it's how we were wired. And this is why Christ was able to band around him and these apostles, because he gave them such a mission and such an adventure. Um, and this is why today this goes sideways and how many grown men play video games at night. But it also shows why this goes the right way. For example, like Exodus 90, or even those whiskey and cigar nights when men come together to talk about how to be better husbands and fathers, Um, or even Christian hunting trips. A buddy was just telling me about that. So when St. Ignatius of Loyola repeatedly comes back to talking about Jesus as his friend, this is not something light. It's not like sitting down with Jesus and looking him in the eyes with coffee and just complaining to him. It's about joining a great mission for souls together. When St. Ignatius calls Christ friend, it is as a soldier who wants to die for his captain. And really, living in shock and awe that his captain, after this many sins in Ignatius' life, would want to spend time with a sinner like him, would want to have him found this great religious order. You see, Ignatius was a seasoned warrior, but he, as I said before, he lived a bad life before he was injured. Then he has this huge conversion when, when he's injured. And so I want you to see that word friend not as shallow in this series, but really how deep as Ignatius sees it, that Jesus has this mission to win the whole world to Christ. And this is central to what Christ is as almost coach in explaining this to his apostles. And the apostles hearing today's gospel are excited, not saddened, that they will get to suffer for the kingdom. This is the friendship of pilgrimage, this is the friendship of mission, this is the friendship of glory. So for the imaginative way of prayer, I suggest you do walk around the Sea of Galilee again with Christ our Lord and speak of today's gospel, perhaps even rejection or persecution from your family that you've already received. But in that, tell Christ how much you want to be his friend and how much you want to walk this pilgrimage of your life with him at your side and that this should be at all times, no matter what comes, and that you're going to be there Beg for his continued friendship and companionship in all the crazy things happening in the world. See Christ our Lord as your spiritual navy seal at your side, or army ranger, or green beret, or Delta, or Trupe Elite, if you're from Brazil watching this. But remember, you're not out to kill humans, you're out to save humans from demons. And this is not done by physical weapons, as Saint Ignatius of Loyola found, but at very high levels of faith and hope and charity. So as you walk around the Sea of Galilee today, ask Jesus if he really sees you as his friend. And if not, what you can do to become his friend better. I don't mean Pelagianism. I don't mean earning his love. But sometimes there are some things we have to tweak to get on God's side. We don't want God on our side. We want to get on God's side. And so ask our Lord not what he can do to increase his loyalty to you, but what you can do to increase your loyalty to him. Ask this in confidence and humility and especially ask for an increase in faith and hope and charity. And please say, an "Our Father, for me that I may practice what I preach." Et Benedictio Dame de Potentis Patris Spiritu Santi descendit super vos et manet semper. Amen.